Welcome to the Off Lead Podcast, presented by Gun Dog Outpost. My name is Tyler Reeden, and I'm your host. On this episode, Dominic Moyo joins us to talk about his journey in the gun dog world. He is a professional trainer, owns a hunting poodle, and is the co-host of the Operation Gun Dog Podcast, another quality gun dog podcast that I'd recommend you check out. Of course, as soon as you're done listening to this one, uh, Dominic's journey is really awesome. I mean, six months ago, he was not a professional trainer. And I thought it'd be really great for him to tell his story. Um, and I think you're, it's something you're really going to enjoy hearing about his background and, and what he's learned so far. Before we dive into that, though, we need to first talk about sponsors. First, Gun Dog Outpost. That's the store that makes this show possible. Got some new stuff in the works there. I'm very excited to unveil that very soon. Uh, head over to gundogoutpost.com, check out what's available now, and sign up for those email alerts so that you are in the know when the unveiling takes place. Second is Hoist, aka IB Level Hydration in a Bottle. This is my go-to drink after I'm done training or hunting. I cannot speak highly enough about how big a fan I am of Hoist. I was at a Chucker Challenge speed hunt this past weekend. I spent eight to 10 hours outside getting battered by 20 mile per hour winds. And I slugged an entire bottle of hoist about 30 seconds afterwards. Really helped me re-energize and, and, and rehydrate. Uh, hoist is one of three Department of Defense approved electrolyte beverages. And if you'd like to give it a try, um, see if it makes a difference for you, head over to drinkhoist.com and use the code GUNDOGOUTPOST, all caps, one word, to get 10% off your order to date. Last, but certainly not least, is Dakota 283. You already know they make killer kennels, but they just unveiled an awesome new feature called Dakota Guard, which you can add to your kennels. So what is Dakota Guard? It's an FDA and EPA approved antimicrobial additive that provides antimicrobial protection to the plastic inside of your kennel. It's applied in small quantities during the production process and it results in your pet's health and safety from the invisible world of little viruses and bacteria. Uh, it's been proven effective against Salmonella, Listeria, E. coli, and a host of other bad little dudes. Uh, it's just another way that Dakota 283 is committed to keeping your pets safe. If you wanna check out Dakota Guard um, and Dakota 283's line of kettles, head over to dakota283.com. Better yet, if you're ready to make a purchase, use the code GDO10 to get 10% off your order. All right, that's it for the intro. So let's go ahead and dive into this episode of the podcast. All right, Dominic, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And as we get started here, as we do with all their guests, why don't you give a little bit of background on yourself, name, location, occupation, maybe, you know, if you host a podcast or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, so I'm Dominic Moyo. I'm a uh, professional dog trainer in North Carolina, professional dog trainer as of about a month ago. Um, I have the Instagram, the Puddle Hound. So I train and hunt with a standard poodle and Man, that's been that's been a fun ride, and uh, I'm also the co-host for the Operation Gun Dog podcast. Excellent, yes, and I have been on Dominic's podcast. Um, 
before as a guest. So um, you can avoid those episodes so then you don't have to listen to me yak, but that is a really, really <laughs> good podcast. Um, lots of really good guests, lots of really good topics. I'd recommend checking it out. All right. Um, uh, that's a lot of good stuff. We're going to dive into that in just a second, but uh, you mentioned that you hunt with a standard poodle. Let's talk about your dog a little bit. So what is, <laughs> yeah, what is her so, name and how did you get into, how did you get into poodles? So her name is Sailor. And the, the funny story, my, my wife is, <laughs> there goes Mac. Per, per, perfect, right? Yep. Keep going. Sorry. <laughs> Typical. Uh, and the, the running joke in my family is my wife wanted a, a poodle. She has some allergies and you know, being the, the person that I was, she found a litter and she was all excited about it. I said, well, maybe we need to, you know, go take a visit, slow this down. She's like, no, I've seen videos of this dog. I've, I've seen this, that, and the other. And it's a great, it's a great dog. I've seen its offspring from this breeding, good dog, good breeder. I'm going to go ahead and put the deposit down. <laughs> and so it was entirely meant to be her companion dog. Okay. And, uh, you know, even from an early age, she was just a super biddable and uh, fun dog to be around. And I'm, I've always been a bit of an outdoorsy person. Uh, I hunt, bird hunting was, you know, the extent of my bird hunting season was usually dove. And then I spent the rest of the fall in a deer stand. And, uh, you know, as a puppy, she, she had some really good retrieve drive from the day we took her home where, you know, I could throw a little toy out there and she'd go pick it up. And, you know, I had read up on the history of poodles and how the breed came from being a waterfowl retriever. And so when I saw she had that natural drive to, to bring something back to me, she was super easy to train. And you know, there's this one time we're at a friend's house with her and she went over to the, their miniature dachshunds toy bin, which was you know, the size of a kitchen table almost <laughs> and started rooting around in it. And at the very bottom pulled up a ham bone. I was like, okay, so she's got a nose. She's easy to train. She's got good retrieve drive. I was like, Let, let's go embark on, on making her uh, a bird dog. And so we, we started training and from the get go, I was like, you know, I'm just, I'm training her to be a meat dog, something I can go out there and hunt with, but I want to train her to the standard of what hunt tests require from a dog sure, i want yeah. her to you know if i ever got into that i would want to be able to make a smooth transition and not develop bad habits from the beginning and i liked the idea of having a, a guideline of what i was training for so i kind of set out beginning her training a uh, little piecemeal here and there you know throwing three-handed casting at at like a five-month-old puppy mm -hmm. just because you know why why not and uh, since then, I've been able to kind of uh, trim the fat on my, my personal program. But because I trained her to that standard, I was, uh, I was able to make a pretty smooth transition into making her a hunt test dog. So we have, uh, we have a started pass. The end of March, we're going to another hunt test to get our second started pass. And then we'll be moving on to season from there and you know, hopefully pick up her season title by the end of this year. Excellent. Excellent. How old is Sailor? Sailor is, oh man, I'm not good at math. I want to say she's somewhere between a year and a half and two years old now. I want to say somewhere around 18 months, maybe. Sure. Sure. And what, like when you got started and you started to like piecemeal programs together, what, what resources were you going out and checking out? 
oh, I was pulling as much information from everywhere I could. I was reading, you know, millions of forums all the time, watching a bunch of YouTube videos, looking at some of those guys on on Instagram, like uh, like Bob, and you know, looking at uh, uh, Mike Lardy, just watching these guys run at SRSs and just mm-hmm. trying to pull as much information from all different resources that I could. I tried to be as much of a sponge as I could, sure. which I think it kind of helped me because where I'm at now by doing that, I've really built up a big tool belt versus if I just went out there and bought the total retriever program and just followed it to a T, I kind of have this, this larger repertoire built up despite only training, um, you know, sailor through this hunt test stuff. Growing sure. up, I would always train to, you know, basic obedience. I've always been good with dogs, but sailor was my first hunt hunting dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And it, I mean, that's, you know, Mac is my first, you know, dog that I started to actually train, train too. And that's, you know, your first dog just teaches you so much, right? I mean, um, I did the same thing as you, like I bought a specific program, I bought the SmartWorks program by Evan Graham, but the, you know, I'm always, I was always out there looking at other stuff, Bill Hillman stuff, uh, uh, you know, everything on YouTube, other, whatever free information I could get online, um, forums I had told from, by, by a mentor of mine to avoid those at all costs. Cause you get all sorts of advice on there, but um, you know, opinions are like, uh, we'll say belly buttons. Everyone has one, right. <laughs> and they all stink. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, no, that's good. That's good. Um, okay. So, you had Sailor, uh, or you got Sailor, you started, you originally meet dog, started to go through the, the process of training her to, to delve, potentially delve into the hunt test world. And then you decided to do that. Um, when, when did you run your first test? It was September of last year. So that was about, uh, what is it? Six months ago or so. Sure. sure. She's probably right about one years old. Um, mm-hmm. she had just turned one. Okay. And, um, so you did that and, and six months ago, what were you doing for a living? So six months ago, I was a uh, grant funded state employee. My grant ended uh, shortly thereafter and kind of in that period where it was transitioning out and trying to find something new, I got the opportunity to go out and train with the local trainer a bunch. Every day I was out there with them, uh, you know, running different setups, throwing birds, doing whatever I could. And again, being a sponge for, for as much as I could on, hey, why did that dog do that? How did you correct it? Did you use a correction? Mm-hmm. Things like that. And uh, then that, that kind of came to an end when I found a position. I was a sales manager for, for a tactical wholesale company. Sure. And that was, <laughs> that was not a good fit for me. I got, <laughs> I got the taste of dog training, what it, what it got you know, what it was to go out there and, you know, work with, with a dog or multiple dogs every day of the week and Mm -hmm. see that progress they make in even such a short amount of time Mm -hmm. that I was hooked. I was like, you know, sitting at this desk job thinking, you know, there's a baseball field behind the the building. I wonder if there's a way for me to get, you know, sneak sailor in here so she could sit here and on my lunch break, I go out there and and run tea with her on the baseball field, just things like that, that because of the work environment, it was, it was just a hard job to go to each morning. And it was one of the jobs that I pulled out of the parking lot with the pounding headache. 
I was like, man, I don't, I don't know how I can do this another day. And then I show up the next day and, you know, sit in my car for a while, take a few deep breaths and, you know, swallow and head on inside. Sure. And it got to the point where, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't really do that anymore is a month and a half in or so. And I reached out to a trainer I knew had, had been looking for, for a trainer to come on board with his kennel and said, you still looking for a trainer? He said, I am. Why? I said, cause I'm interested. <laughs> and, uh, did, that, did he hire you on the spot then? Well, we had a phone call later that afternoon and he kind of felt me out for, you know, what my experience was, where I was in, in my training experience and where I was in my professional experience. And, you know, the, the fit just seemed to work. And he said, you know, I think this will work. I'll get you some, some figures and everything. I'll send them your way. And, you know, the, the rest is history. Now I'm a, I'm a trainer for, for Anchored Canine, which is a, a kennel down here in central North Carolina. Excellent. Excellent. And uh, if I didn't say it before, congrats on that position. Well, I appreciate it. Um, all right. So obviously you, you, your job prior to, to taking on, you know, the job as a professional dog trainer um, wasn't a good fit, but it sounds like, you know, you still had dog training on the brain, regardless of whether mm-hmm. it would have been a good fit or a bad fit. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was a bug that had bit me. And I don't think anything would have lived up to dog training. It doesn't matter how easy or hard the job was. I think it would always have been, you know, second to dog training. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's, it's funny how it, it can just kind of hook you and you just want to do more of it. It's fun. That, that progression you talked about, that's, I think that's probably my favorite part is to watch dogs progress and they progress so rapidly too. Mm-hmm. When they get work every day, it's, it's amazing what, uh, how much growth they can experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. And, uh, what was that conversation with your wife? Like though, when, uh, you were like, uh, I think I want to, you know, quit the white collar job and, and become a professional dog trainer. Um, <laughs> it, there, there were some, you know, honest conversations that went on and, you know, my wife is, is a very understanding person and mm-hmm. she understood where, where my heart was, where my brain was and said, you know, what, if you can, if you can run up the figures and we're not putting ourselves at a deficit or, you know, putting ourselves in a compromised position by you pursuing that, that passion of yours, then, then we can go for it. There's just a few parameters, like make sure you can find some good uh, individual insurance and things like that. Since I was, you know, no longer a W2 employee. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, that's, it's, those are hard conversations. And I was half joking, but um, obviously your wife would, you'd have to have a supportive spouse too to be able to make that leap. Cause it's not, you know, um, it's not it, training dogs is hard work and maybe it doesn't, it, it's a lot of work and hard work and good, honest work, but it doesn't always pay the best. So I don't know. I don't know what you're, what you're making. I'm not going to ask. I just know that from, from people that I know and, and experiences and that sort of thing. So, um, all right. So you are one month in to being a professional dog trainer. I, I got to know mm-hmm. what, uh, how many dogs do you have in the kennel at one time? Uh, right now we're, we're in the mid twenties, but we're about to have, I want to say 30 to 40 come in in the next week or so. Wow. That is a lot of dogs. Or it- let me rephrase that. We're about to about double our occupancy in the kennel within the next week or so. Dang. Okay. Um, and then what, 
what do your days actually look like? So we have a wide variety of, you know, the age of dogs, as well as some breeds. We have everything from a couple of four month old puppies. One's a uh, lab, one's a GSP to, um, you know, primarily black labs that are, you know, 10 months old. There's some in there that are 24 plus. There's one dog in there that might be campaigning through some, some SRS events this, this coming spring. So my daily, uh, daily routine is uh, everything from going through, you know, leash OB with puppies, treat work, environmental training to, uh, you know, force fetch, walking fetch, you know, different uh, pile work drills, everything in that progression. We have a, everything from those four month old dogs to dogs that are working uh, pattern blinds and uh, a couple of dogs, including sailor that are about to move on to swim by here pretty shortly. So sure. we, we're working on, you know, the whole gamut of a, a gun dog camel. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, that's, that's what I would expect um, for sure. Uh, what, I guess, do, do you have time to train sailor every day? I do with you. So she, uh, yeah, she comes to work with me every day. She, she sits in her, her little gunner kennel in the back of my truck until, you know, right now we're working on T pattern. There's one other dog in the kennel working on T pattern. So whenever we go out there to work on that dog, I just bring sailor over there and we, we run them together just like any other dog in a kennel. And mm-hmm. that's how we carve out some time during the day. If we go out and do a setup in, in a field or off a pond or something like that, she'll come along, throw her on the, the trailer and cart her over there and run her, you know, along with those other dogs. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you got to ask about the personal dogs, right? Cause sometimes, yeah. sometimes when you're training other dogs, they take, well, not sometimes they always take priority when you're getting paid for it, but you got to make time for your own dog. So yeah. they say cobbler's kids have no shoes, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, all right. I guess in your, in your month, uh, the month that you've been doing this or a little bit over a month that you've been doing this, like what, what are some of your big takeaways? Like, what have you, Mm. what have you done? I know you mentioned like trimming the fat on your own program. Like what are some of the things that that you've learned as you look back and maybe it's like, maybe it's mistakes that you made or things you'll do differently with future dogs. I think my biggest thing, which I'm fortunate with the dog that I have, Mm -hmm. that her drive has carried her through a lot of things, uh, despite my best efforts to, to mess with them, uh, one of my biggest takeaways is build drive for as long as you can um, because you can always you know pull some horsepower out of an older dog but it's harder to put that horsepower back in there Mm -hmm. so you know some dogs naturally have that high drive and that's what we breed you know we we aim to breed for when when we breed hunting dogs but you know there's still so much drive that can be built there's so many environmentals that you can add that makes a dog more confident when you get to you know, a 20, 24 month old dog that, you know, it's so invaluable to, to work on as a puppy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then when they're that age and then for the rest of their life, every time you pull them out of the truck or you grab a bumper, they are, they're just, they just want to work, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. And I, I'd have to say the second thing too, you know, since we're moving from, you know, moving through the progression, teaching sailor how to run blinds, you know, hitting pile work and T pattern and, you know, soon here we'll be doing swim by. One of the, the biggest things I've learned, especially with having Stacy West, who, who owns 
uh, anchored canine, he's been watching me through that. <laughs> There's so many nuances in how I handle Sailor yeah. as far as you know how I give casts, how I stand there before I send her, how low or high my hand is when I you know lock her onto you know her picture. Mm-hmm. There, there's so many nuances there that I think I would have personally overlooked if I didn't have, you know, that, that oversight there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. And that's, you know, I think, I feel like personally, that's where, you know, the, the, the blind work, the pile work, um, that piece, that's, that's an area where, you know, when Mac was younger, I didn't, I didn't know I didn't do as good a job. And so it's like, you know, constant refinement and little things that I'm doing because I didn't, I didn't nail it right initially. Um, and it's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's awesome for you that you have someone as accomplished as, as Stacy West, um, standing over your shoulder, giving you tips. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely really fortunate that, you know, that whole transition between a started gun dog and a season slash finished gun dog, when you incorporate those blinds, that's mm-hmm. really where you make the transition between, you know, just being a dog trainer to being a dog trainer and a handler. Mm-hmm. and you know a lot of that handling the the dog can't handle itself mm-hmm. so you gotta that's a lot of introspection and a lot of work for me I, I have to train myself to be a better handler yeah. so that I can put her in in more positions to succeed as she uh, as she goes through and uh, hopefully picks up some more ribbons and gets more exposure to, to hunting situations it's it's a lot more weight on my shoulder than just saying her name and letting her work it out for herself. Right. Right. And you know, the advantage, the thing that, that you have is that you're going to be putting your hand, putting your hands on more and more dogs. And, you know, I, for, for like the amateur trainer who's training their first dog, or maybe it's their second dog, you know, you, you only have so many experiences with the one dog, you know, the more, the more um, dogs you can touch the, just the more proficient, the more you learn, the better you get at it. So um, mm-hmm. I have I have no doubt that like a year from now, you're going to be a handling uh, wizard and I'm going to be asking you for tips. Well, I don't know about all that. I'd like to think I can progress as fast as Sailor. And if I do, we'll be in pretty good shape. But yeah, that's uh, I'm looking forward to see where my personal growth goes. Yeah. In, in the next uh next year in the near future yeah yeah and you know you work i know you're you're doing a lot of force fetch work i know that um mm-hmm. like uh if you were to give advice to to newer trainers um what would it be would it be on force fetch or would it be you know something else that you've picked up since since working there hmm you know, force fetch is such a, you know, dog by dog basis. Some, some dogs come out there and they want to breeze right through force fetch and, you know, it, it comes more naturally to them. And for other dogs, it becomes this, this tedious grind. Mm-hmm. And so I guess my best advice on force fetch is probably, you know, find that, uh, find that balance through force fetch. Mm-hmm. So where it's not so monotonous for the dog that it's an awful grind and they come out you know, dreading the process, but don't be so light in the sense that the dog comes out and it doesn't gain anything from that session. And, uh, you know, another thing I have to keep in mind every single day, every time I walk out of the kennel with a dog, what am I working on with that dog? 
put that, you know, right at the forefront of my mind because it's so easy to get lost if you, you know, you're like, all right, this dog's working on pile work. Let's go to the pile. And then you run into, you know, no-go issues or things like that. You know, my, my goal with this dog is to set out there and identify the pile, get that dog to the point where, you know, when I say dead bird back, it, it's just going out there. It knows there's a stack of bumpers out there somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, when you start getting to no-go issues, then you're not identifying that pile maybe maybe then you're trying to solve that issue and you got to simplify it and say i want this dog to know where the pile is how can i simplify this and you know put them in a position to learn what i need them to learn today mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it, you're problem solving right and mm-hmm. you know um dogs can you know um you know one you know yesterday they can they can you know crush that pile work and the next day they can come out and they just it's like you're doing, you start where you left off and they're like, you know, worse than they were yesterday. And you're like, what, what in the world? And you just, you have to adjust. Mm-hmm. Um, Even on their best day, they're, they're still a dog. Yes. Yes. And just like you and me, occasionally we have off days too, just like they do. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, and that's, you know, that was advice given to me a long time ago. I think that's, I think it's very, very relevant too. Um, all right. You're a, you're a month in, um, what is your, what is your end goal? So, you know, you know, I don't know if you, if you, if you have one, if you, if you care to share, you can, you can pass on this question. Do you have an end goal? Um, you know, do you want to start your own kennel? Do you want to become a, uh, a breeder of poodles? Do you want to become a, a poodle specific, very niche trainer, which I would think you could do very, very well at. <laughs> um, you know, as far as, as a professional, my professional goals, I just set them to be you know, the best dog trainer that I can possibly be, whether that's, you know, down the road, opening my own kennel or, you know, staying at Anchor K9 for, for the rest of my, my uh, professional career, mm-hmm. whatever can make me the best that I can be, that, that's what I'm going to do. Okay. I, I love poodles. I'm a huge advocate for, for poodles. And so, you know, I'd love to see more poodles out there at hunt tests. And if I can play a part in that somehow, you know, whether it's training poodles up to that level or uh, breeding poodles, I, I definitely like to be part of the, uh, the solution to, to getting more poodles out at hunt tests. So mm-hmm. between my, my love of poodles and my love of being able to go out there and train dogs every day you know, I'm, I'm just going to strive to do as much as I can to be the best that I can. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Good answer. I, I like that answer. It's a very, uh, PC answer without giving too much away. It was very nice. Very well done. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, I don't, I actually don't have any more questions for you, Dominic. I think it's, I think you like your journey is like really cool. Like, you know, six months ago, you're, Hey, I uh, was, you know, working through a grant and then you had a different white collar job, but in between you, you know, you tasted what, what a day-to-day basis was like, you know, working, um, with a professional trainer. You're like, I, it's an itch that I have to scratch and I can't not do it. And now you're doing it. And, uh, it sounds like you're doing it. You're loving it. You're loving life. Your experiences are, you know, helping you grow as a trainer and they're only going to help you and sailor as you, you know, progress through the hunt test game and, and, you know, go pick up more ducks and another wild, uh, wild game. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I think you summed it up pretty well there. It's, uh, it's definitely been a transition for me. I've always been the type of person that I, I love working outside. I don't like fluorescent lights at all. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, being able to be outside working with dogs, it's really, you know, I'm very fortunate. I'm very blessed to be in the position that I am and have the opportunities that, that have come available to me recently. Sure. Yeah, no, it's good. It's really, really good. I I'm excited to like talk to you in like a year on here and uh, just see, you know, where you were today versus where you'll be then and talk about the differences and that sort of thing. It'll be really fun. So um, I, that's all the main questions I have, but I always like to finish with what I call rapid fire. So um, list of questions. I wrote a lot of these out ahead of time since, since I did, obviously we know each other a little bit. Um, And so I'm going to list them off. First thing that comes to your mind, you shout out the answer. Um, We'll just run through really quick and then uh, we'll we'll wrap things up. Man, I'm long-winded. I don't know if I'm the best contestant for rapid fire questions. Well, I'll cut you off then if I have to. All right. All right. Okay. Um, First question is, what is your training shoe of choice? For me, every day I'm out there wearing a uh, uh, work boot, like a Wolverine work boot, but I miss my Crocs. And hopefully here with the warm weather, I'll be rocking some Crocs more often. Okay. I had to ask that because I... I, you, I know you used to be a crack guy, but I, I didn't know if since you were training 24 seven and you know doing leash work and puppy work and that sort of thing, if you want for something with a little bit more support than the old crack. <laughs> a little more arch support. Little more the biggest support. thing for me is, uh, you know, having to air dogs when that, that rain comes and that airing yard gets muddy. Oh, I don't yeah. know if crocs can, can kick it even in four wheel drive. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be interesting. Um, you have to keep me, keep me posted on that, but I would put my money on crocs. They can do it all. Um, all right. You are, you are a poodle guy through and through. What is your second favorite breed to work with? Oh, man, that's a tough one. Um, I love all the breeds for different reasons. Okay. Uh, as far as working with my experience, because it's the bulk of the, the hunting mm-hmm. world are labs. I appreciate what labs bring to the table a lot. I don't know if I can say it's my second favorite dog breed, but I definitely appreciate, you know, what, what labs come to the table already possessing and, uh, GSPs too. I I like the, the wild nature of a a German short hair. (laughs) Wild nature is a very, very good description of that. Okay. Um, and then how many, like how many breeds have you worked with now? Poodles, GSPs, labs, um, have you worked with any other breeds? Let's see worked directly over where I'm the only one training uh it would be poodles labs gsps uh poodle or dog breeds that I've been around while training and gotten to witness being trained and kind of soaked up a little bit would be goldens and flat coats which it's pretty pretty interesting to watch a flat coat run uh it is I've actually seen a couple of run at run at some hunt tests little hunt tests um so I like more. to get my hands on a Boykin sometime in the near future. Those, they, they look like such fun dogs. They are uh, little balls of energy. That's for mm-hmm. sure. All right. Uh, 2021 goals. And what, what goals for the rest of the year? So I think I kind of mentioned at the beginning of the episode, but I'd, I'd like to have Sailor's uh, season title by the end of this year. Mm-hmm. I might, uh, depending on how that's gone, might see about, you know, getting her, uh, a season pass at a, or excuse me, senior and season are just so damn close. They are. See, they about, are. 
Uh, I might see about trying to break her into the AKC world and maybe go for seniors sometime this year. Sure. Um, strategy goal would be maybe see if we we can run finish by the end of the year. I don't. We'll, we'll see how she progresses. I think swim by is going to be the uh, kind of deciding factor on how fast we can we sure. can achieve some of those goals. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's a that's a really really key step um, for for all dogs. All right. Uh, any any big hunting trips planned for this year? You know, last year I won a hunting trip with Honk Stomper up in Washington State. And unfortunately, because of that job change, transition, everything, I wasn't able to take the time off to go up there and hunt. So I really like to uh, really like to go up there this coming year and, and do some hunting with them. But if that doesn't happen, at the end of last year, I finally found the X on this public land that no one really hunts. Mm-hmm. And so I'm looking forward to going out there on opening day and, and smoking some woodies and maybe we'll get some big ducks come through if we're lucky. Sweet. I like it. Um, all right. Uh, just a couple left here. Uh, what is your post hunt beverage of choice? Mm, probably a bang energy. Uh, I usually stop off at a gas station and, and pick up one of those. They typically have the two for $5 special. So okay. if, uh, if it's one of those days, I might be picking up five and two or five or you know 10 to put in a fridge or something like that. But is that, is that like yeah, monster? Bang. Yeah. Yeah. It's like monster plus creatine plus, but it's, it's enough to keep me going through the rest of the day from an early morning hunt or, uh, enough to stay awake until I leave for the next morning hunt. Okay. Interesting. All right. I'm not, I'm not a big energy drink guy. Um, as you obviously seen, I'm, it's like four o'clock here. I'm still drinking coffee. So, um, <laughs> my coffee, I'm a coffee guy through and through. All right. Um, last one here. When are you getting the second dog? Ooh, me and my wife have been talking about that recently. Um, I think ongoing negotiation, ultimate, huh? <laughs> well, ongoing discussion. Okay. Uh, All right. In order to be, you know, as, as much of a informed consumer as we can be, you know, we try to, instead of you know, getting a phone call, talking for it about five minutes and saying, no, I'm putting a deposit on this dog. <laughs> we're, we're trying to kind of be a little bit less, uh, um, less quick to the draw with the second one the overall goal for when sailor was a puppy and i said yeah i'm, I'm gonna get another poodle and it's gonna be soon uh, i think the ultimate goal is for sailor to be at least two years old before we pick up the next puppy mm-hmm. so it's likely gonna be probably 2022 before we get that next dog but and- it it's going to be a poodle. Okay. That's all I was going to ask. I was going to clarify and very, very nice anticipation of that, of that uh, question I was going to ask. All right. That's all I got. Uh, so Dominic, um, if people want to get a hold of you, uh, what, how can they reach out to you? You can give your social media handles, plug operation Gundog one more time, um, whatever it might be. Um, put it all out here for, for people that want to get in touch with you. Yeah. So you can, uh, you can find the Operation Gundog podcast on almost all the podcast streaming services, and you can find it on Instagram at Operation Gundog. Me personally, me and Sailor have the at the Puddle Hound account on Instagram, where I typically post you know different things that we're, we've been up to or we've been working on. You can always get a hold of me there, and uh, let me double check. I have a Facebook page, but I don't know how if somebody's able to reach out to that i will plug it though if it'll work okay yeah we've got time here 
Just, just imagine the uh, the Jeopardy music playing in the background here. <laughs> and I also have a, uh, I also have a lesser used Facebook page that kind of coincides with some of the stuff that Sailor's doing on Instagram, and that is just hunting poodle training on uh, Facebook. If you look it up and you find it great, if you can't. Just reach out to us on Instagram, I guess. <laughs> Sounds good. Excellent. Um, perfect. Go ahead and check that out. Give Operation Gundog a listen. I promise you won't regret it. Just make sure you come back and listen to my podcast as well as Dominic and John's. Um, don't leave me behind. Um, anyway, I'm not I'm not pleading. I'm just, no, I'm, I'm kidding. Um, it's all good. There's a lot of good <laughs> content out there. It doesn't really matter where you consume it from. Um, but go out and check out the Operation Gundog podcast. And Dominic, I don't have anything else, so... I will let you go, my friend, and I'm sure we will chat again very soon. Well, sounds good. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate you having me on. That's it for this week's episode. If you found value in the content or enjoyed the conversation, I have a few favors to ask. First, hit that subscribe button. Second, share this podcast with another gun dog owner. Those two things uh, would mean the world to me, and they hopefully won't take you more than 30 seconds. Last thing is if you have another 30 seconds, go ahead and leave a review. Your feedback is important, and it's what drives this podcast uh, so that I can make changes and improve it going forward.